0: It's a little bit different. Uh, we break from the normal teaching structure and just want to be led of how the Holy Spirit would lead us. One of the things that, you know, I discover, you know, with this, um, anytime that there's something that is, breaks the norm, um, it, it puts people in a place where they're not comfortable. Um, you know, we like things predictable and we like things to be, you know, and, and how it's going to go, you know, we want, you know, our opening song, greet one another, do a couple more songs and, you know, have the offering and then the word, do a song and then, you know, we're done. And, but to be in a place where just as Bailey was leading, you know, in, in worship there, just being in the presence of God and being open to whatever he wants uh, to do in our life, uh, not many of us, myself included, can say that that's the place that we live our lives constantly. You know, we live kind of in a religious, uh, you know, society. Like I said, church to us is, you know, something that we do. It, it's not necessarily something that we are, you know, when we think about, you know, the uh, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life, you know, and day by day and moment by moment. So I wanted to share that with you tonight and talk about that and uh, hopefully break some of the mold and... Uh, bring us to a place where hopefully there is a a desire for more of God uh, in our life. And believe it or not, there's there's plenty of room in our lives for more of him. Amen. You know, as the word would say, that I must decrease that he might increase in our lives. And so as we look at this, let's take a moment and pray in John chapter 14. Um, Father, we thank you for your word. And I pray tonight as we talk about the third person of the Trinity, we talk about the Holy Spirit that... Lord, each of us would come to a place that we'd understand in a greater capacity tonight, that we're not talking about an it, we're not talking about some uh, force of heaven, uh, Lord, we're talking about a person, uh, the third person in the Trinity, the, the God, the Holy Spirit, who's in this place tonight, who's in every heart, who has been saved, and and if there's people here tonight that aren't saved, who's working in their lives, uh, that's the Holy Spirit that convicts our conscience. And, uh... Uh, brings to remembrance in the believer's life that that convicts us of righteousness as you quicken the word and reminds us of how we stray from the path. And Lord, you're the one who brings us comfort. And so tonight as we study your word, uh, may we go deeper in our understanding of of who you are and what you desire to do in and through us. Um, Lord, that each and every person here tonight is valuable to you. They're priceless, your word says, that so much that you would come and you would live a perfect life, a sinless life. You, you would refrain from all the, the pleasures of this world in that sense to, to give your life upon Calvary's cross so that we that are here tonight could be saved, that we could know heaven. And, and not just know heaven, but Lord, we could know you. And we could know you in a personal way. As Bailey was just singing in the spirit there, just in the end of just... Um, reminding herself, reminding us that there's a secret place, Lord. It's a beautiful place where we can get alone with you. Even in our own heart, we could be in the middle of a crowded room, and yet, God, we can still be alone with you. And we can find peace and comfort and joy. And I pray that for each and every one of us tonight, that, Lord, we would experience that peace and that comfort and that joy that comes through your presence in our life tonight. Not, not, not a church experience, not because we're in a building, not even because we're at church, but because, Lord, you're here. As your word says, wherever two or three are gathered in your name, that there you are in the midst of us. And I pray that, Lord, we would sense that you're in the midst of us tonight. And there's something that you want to do in every heart. There's not one heart here, God, where you don't want to move tonight, that you don't want to bring conviction, that you don't want us to to go deeper. It's so easy, I know, for those of us that serve, and uh, we can be the sound guys in the back, and we can be an usher, we can be a greeter, we can be a staff person, and it's so easy just to go through the motions and just do church. And, Lord, forgive us for that, because that's never what you intended. God, you wanted us to tabernacle with you as you would tabernacle with us. I'm always reminded of the, in the Old Testament, as the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, uh, Lord, they moved when, whether it was a pillar of cloud by day or a pillar of fire by night, uh, when you moved, they moved, and when you stopped, they stopped. And it's so easy for us just to keep going and and to not even recognize, uh, Lord, you're leading. Uh, We need the Holy Spirit. We need fresh anointing, and I pray that for myself tonight. I pray that for every person here, Lord, we would drink from that well tonight. If there's those that are thirsty tonight, that this world, they determine, doesn't satisfy them. God, may they drink deep, Lord, of all that you have for us tonight. We just give you this time, and just with anticipation, Lord, just look forward to what you want to minister to us, and and Lord, what we want to minister to you, and so we give you our minds completely. We give you our hearts tonight, and we invite you, Lord, speak to us through your word. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. You know, there's basically, you know, when it comes to, you know, an experience with the Holy Spirit, there's there's three three words that we find, you know, in Scripture. We we find um, the word in, in in the Greek language. It's en. And uh, that's the experience that we talk about when someone's born again, when they have a conversion experience. uh, They're saved, you might say. Um, Then there's the experience that we read about uh, in the book of Acts uh, when the Holy Spirit comes upon a person. We'll study this in a little bit more detail. Um, We call that the, uh, it's called in the Greek language, it's uh, epi or epi. It's spelled two different ways. It's spelled E-P-I or E-P-P-I. Uh, and so we think about, you know, the Holy Spirit being in us, we, we, we see him, you know, coming upon us, um, you know, and uh, again, and even for a non-believer, you know, that the Holy Spirit is with them. And you think about that, you know, that he's with people in the world to bring conviction. The word with, in the Greek language, is pronounced myth, myth, M-I-T-H. It's not like a, a myth uh, that's something that's not real but uh, he 's with us, and so when you think about your relationship you know, with, with the Holy Spirit, I mean he 's with you. Uh, the Bible says with every person uh, he 's especially with the believer, and he 's in the believer 's life. But something you know that I hope you crave for as a believer is that uh, epi or a pie experience where he comes upon you uh, with power to do his work, because I can tell you this i can 't live the Christian life without him. And I can't do the things that God desires me to do without his power in my life. Many of us tonight, if we're honest, we're just going through the motions in in life, in in our Christian experience. We are, we are clueless with regard to the power of God. I mean, literally the same power, Paul said, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead works mightily, he said, in us. I mean, think about that, the same power. And yet you go, wow, if I, if I really knew that power. And, and maybe, you know, for all of us tonight, in, in some way, shape, or form, we're searching in this world for something that we already possess. I want you to think about that for a second. Because everybody's searching. Everybody's looking for a new and a better way. I mean, just think of all the things that come out. You know, we had the original iPhone, then we had the, you know, next version. What version are we up to now? 11, something like that, you know? And it's just like, you know, everything is new and improved, you know, televisions, you know, why, why do things go on sale? They go on sale because there's a new model that comes out, right? You're thinking you're getting a new deal. And then when you get your good deal, you realize it's pretty much outdated. I even know what, is it Roku? What's the television set? Roku, you know, and so my kids are telling me, they said, dad, don't get a Roku. It, Roku's on the way out. And I go, but those are the best deals on TVs right now. And they go, well, that's why it's on the way out. You know, but then there's something, you know, that never changes, but is is so exceptionally good. The Bible says that God is the same, what, yesterday, today, today, and what? Forever. He never changes. And yet, we can get more and more and more of him. I want you to, in your Bible, if you read this with me in John chapter 14, and I want to read verses 1 through 18. It says this. It says, Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, he's gathered his disciples. They're with him. They're going to experience what we know as the Last Supper. Uh, he's told them that he's about ready to go to the cross and he's going to suffer at the hands of not only the Romans but the Jewish authorities. And and the disciples, are they're bewildered. They're, they're heartbroken. They love Jesus. They've fallen in love with Jesus. And it's like Jesus had told them. You know, he said, you know, when everybody walked away, when Jesus spoke a hard word, it says, you know, that many turned and they walked with him no more. And he turns to the disciples and he goes, will you too turn away? Were you going to walk away? And what do they say? Lord, where would we go for you have the words of life they comprehended that you know sometimes i wondered gosh do i do we that jesus has the words of life because we tend to find life in so many different things you know that so many things that you know we go man you know for me years ago it'd be riding my bike is where i found life that's where i found my greatest joy and my greatest excitement my endorphins, uh, you know would kick in and you, you think you know how does that compare to the presence of god in my life does he bring that same high or do I get it somewhere else? You know, and the Bible talks about there, there's, a, there's a false high that, that comes. You know, we think of, you know, the Holy Spirit is the big S and in the, in the world we have the little S and it usually deals with, you know, alcohol in that regard. God wants to give us something that's free. That will cost him everything, but it cost us nothing in that regard. And so as you read this, he says, let not your hearts be troubled, He said, You believe in God, believe also in me. He said, In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He says, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know the way. You know. He says, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known. Known my Father also, and from now on you know Him and have seen Him.." And Philip said, "Lord, show us the Father, and if it is sufficient for us." And Jesus said to him, "Have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do not, you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak in my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Think about that for a second. Let me read that again. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And this is what I wanted to focus in on. He says, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. I want you to think about that word, another. It means of the same kind, just like me. Jesus was saying, I'm going to send, I'm going to pray to the Father, and he's going to send another just like me to you. And he said, the helper, the paracletus, it says that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he dwells, what? with you and will be in you. So he's talking about this experience that the Holy Spirit is with us and he's also in us. Once we open our heart to him, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you, you know, and and like I said, thinking about tonight and thinking about, you know, the person of the Holy Spirit, you know, I love what I see, you know, the Holy Spirit doing in the church today. You know, I get to have conversations every week with people who are growing in their relationship with God and in the power of God working in their lives, not only to, you know, be a witness, you know, for him, but as Jesus said in Acts chapter one, he said, you'll be a witness to me in both Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. It's that God would be in you working his will both to do and, and, and for his good pleasure, meaning that God works in us to create a desire to love him, to serve him, to share him, you know, with other people, that that becomes our life. Like Paul said, you know, the life that I now live, he said, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That his, his life truly was, the, was living for Jesus. That became the ultimate expression of life. And I wonder, you know, is that the same expression, you know, for my life and for yours? Or is church an experience, you know, that we have? We go to church, you know, on Wednesday or we go to church, you know, on Sunday, or if you come on Monday or you go on Friday or whatever the you know days we have, you know, events, or have we understood that we are the church, that we are the body of Christ. And as we go along and, you know the months that follow, and we're talking about spiritual gifts, is to realize every single one of us here tonight, if you're in Christ Jesus, that you have a gift that God wants to use, that he wants to work in and through your life to be an expression of himself. Nobody has all the gifts, but together we have a lot more than we have individually. And we become a truer expression together than we ever would be apart. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. Using our gifts for the purpose of encouraging, strengthening, building one another up in love, to be everything that God has called us to be. It's not to be everything that you think that, you know, you want to be or you think you're called to be, but to discover who you are, to understand and know, you know, from scripture that before you were ever born, God knew you. He fashioned you while yet you were in your mother's womb. He has a purpose and a plan for our lives and the way we've Discover it is through his word and through his presence. Spending time with him, hanging out with him, being sensitive to his leading and the promptings, you know, coming in tune and in touch with the person of the Holy Spirit. We need an understanding of that. And again, thinking, you know, of the Holy Spirit and his desire you know to work in and through our lives you know that i want you to know tonight you know the holy spirit empowers us i mean so when you think about your life tonight who's empowering you is it your your boss at work is it you know uh, the yourself? I mean, you, do you empower yourself? Do you, you know, is it your you know, sound mind, uh, your knowledge that you have? I mean, the wisdom that you possess? What, what, where do you draw your power in this life to accomplish the things that you do? Is it self-will? Is it self-determination? Or can you say tonight, you go, the, 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 again, the things that I do in this life, like Jesus said here in John chapter 14, he said, you know, he says, Philip, have you, have you not understood this? He said, I'm in the Father, and the Father's in me. I do the things that I see the Father doing. He's like, I don't even act on my own initiative. Jesus was demonstrating a life of what? Of submission. A life of of total surrender to the will of the Father. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember when he's getting ready to go to the cross and he's perspiring blood, right? And, And he's crying out, you know, there in the garden. He said, Father, if there's any way for this cup, this cup of what? Of suffering the cross. He said, you know, to pass through my lips. He says, not my will but thine be done. And Scripture says basically Jesus would have died right there unless, what, the angels of heaven came and comforted him in that moment. You know, Bailey was again singing about that, you know, in worship, is that hey, we live in a painful world. <laughs> we live in a fallen world. We live in a world where there's suffering, where there's hurt, where we need comfort. That's why Jesus said, I'll, I'll ask the Father. He'll send another, the paracletus, the comforter, God knew what we would have need of, and yet look at all the places tonight that, that you look for comfort, and I look for comfort apart from God. I had a guy call me, you know, today, and he's like, uh, you know, Pastor Mike, I, so, you know, I, I just went out and I, I bought a new bed. It was $5,000. He says, you know, I didn't buy it. He said, actually, my wife bought it. And he goes, you know what the, the irony of the whole thing is? And I said, what? And he goes, she turned around and bought a chair for $600. She sleeps out in the living room in the $600 chair. I'm sleeping in the $5,000 bed that I don't even like back in our bedroom. He goes, I'm thinking, you know, I just want to sleep next to my wife. And he's going, should I, and he's, you know, this is, I want you to understand, these are the things that, that people call and ask pastors to help them decide. Should I sell the $5,000 bed and purchase another $600 chair? I'm thinking of being a good steward of God's money, then that's what you should do. Sell the $5,000 bed or take it back and get a $600 chair and you guys can both fall asleep in front of the television set, you know, but you can be side by side, you know, in that regard. And you go, what do people do and what will they pay for comfort? That's what people are looking for, comfort. I mean, you think of cars. You know, I mean, who doesn't like looking at a luxury model car, right? I mean, but now they're so they're so intelligent, except for Cosper's truck. I mean, that's a whole other sermon, in that we're we're not going even going to go there. Uh, no, I, I just can't touch that. But uh, you know. I mean, to think that, you know, you have a cars that now you can talk to him, you know, and the car will, you know, you'll get in and it, it adjusts automatically. Preset settings. When you sit down, I don't know how it does it, but it, it figures it out. And you sit down and it puts the seat back and it does everything. It turns the climate to how you'd like it on your side and then the other side, you know. Then it comes to the preset things on your, not only you know, on your, your car radio, but even on your smartphone. And it'll take your, your playlist and it'll take, and it'll start And you don't have to do anything. Eventually, we know this, and they're trying to get it to what? You just get in the car, hit the button, and the car does what? It just does it for you. You know, comfort. Man, we love things that make us comfortable. But why aren't we ever satisfied with the world's concept of comfort? Because it doesn't satisfy. It actually does the very opposite it makes you long for more. That's where the Bible talks about the sin of covetousness, and all of a sudden it's, that doesn't satisfy, but there's something that satisfies completely. God says, and that's him, him. Augustine, you know, probably said it best, you know, there's a God-shaped void inside of all of us that only he can fill. And my question for me and for you tonight is, is God filling that void in your heart or are you stuffing it with other stuff? And you have to be honest about that. And that's one of the beauties of communion tonight is to be able to sit and go, Lord, you know, I, I've, you know, I love the, the song, I'm coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. Lord, I'm sorry for what I've made it. Because to be honest, like I said, for many in the church community today. Church is nothing more than just going through the motions. I can see it. Just, I can see it tonight, and some of you, you know, sadly, you know, and I can see at any, any given time that, that church is going on, is that it's just uh, something I got to do. It's just, okay, I'll go. And I get that. There's going to be times in all of our lives, man, I just don't feel like going. You go, But you go, and then it's in, usually in those moments where you give up the most that what happens is you receive the most. It's an amazing thing, you know, how God, you just can't outgive God. Simple obedience to God. But I'm talking about that, the ugly side of it, you know, where we're just going, you know, it's like, there's other things that I would rather do, and then you think of what are the other things, and you go, they're just selfism. Just, I'd rather be doing this, I'd rather be doing this, I'd rather be doing this. But it has nothing to do with the worship of God. It has nothing to do with the things that truly fill. It has nothing to do with the things that truly satisfy. And so here's Jesus, you know, telling us, right before he goes to the cross, he's going, guys, I'm leaving. And they're so, I mean, they are so heartbroken. Their, their lives, they're devastated that Jesus, the one whom they love and who loves them. John would, would write, and he didn't say, John, the disciple who loves Jesus, right? He wrote, he said, John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. It's getting it right. It's not that we loved him, it's that what? He first loved us. Putting everything, you know, because we could, oh, if you just knew how much I love God, you know, I don't love God anywhere close to how much he loves me or how much he loves you. And yet he says, I promise you when I go, I'll send another who's just like me, another just like me will be with you. Matter of fact, he said, that's why he could say it. He said, greater works than these, he said, you would do because the Holy Spirit at that point was limited to Jesus on this earth. But he said, but when I go to the Father, I'll pray that the Holy Spirit then would be released to be, and we'll see in the book of Acts, and we'll read that in a moment here, that every single believer, every single person who's saved and who's born again by the Spirit of God would be filled with the very presence of God. So that the power of God that was working in Christ could now, when he says greater, what it means is not greater like, I mean, what's greater than raising the dead? You know, you go, raising two dead? You know, so what's he talking about is that it's the word magnitude, greater magnitude, because now many, many people are going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And think about that from then to 2000 plus years to today and people being filled with God's spirit moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. And let me ask you tonight, do you sense the power of God's Spirit working in your life? Not just in you, but do you sense his power working through you? Because that, when we read the book of Acts, now this always gets interesting to me, How many have read the book of Acts, by the way? Raise your hand. You've read the whole book of Acts. It takes about, you know, if you did it in one sitting, it'd take a couple hours to read the whole book of Acts, right? And in the book of Acts, if you count them, there's probably about 30 miracles that the book of Acts mentions. Now, think about this. So, if you study the timeline of the book of Acts, the the timeline of the book of Acts covers a period of about 30 years. So, I want you to think about this. So, if you. Are reading the book of Acts that covers a period of 30 years, and you read the book of Acts and it covers about 30 miracles. I'm not a mathematician. How many miracles per year does that work out to? One. I should have thought, Anthony, right away, my mathematician, Anthony. Yes, one. That's about one a year. But you know, think about this when we talk about you know in the church today, especially when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit. There's really two camps that exist. Uh, we, there's a a group, we call them cessationists. They're they're people that, that believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, at least the sign gifts, you know, prophecy, miracles, healing, tongues, interpretation of tongues, those have ceased to exist. And then you have another group, which is the other side of that. And we would call that group, they're the hyper expressionists. Okay. Those are the people that, you know, someone will say to you, um, you know, the first question they have when you go, hey, uh, I just want you to let you know I gave my life to Jesus. And their very first question is, do you speak in tongues? And you, and you go, no, was I supposed to? Oh yeah, yeah, if you don't speak in tongues, matter of fact, you're not really even saved. You go, really, no, I'm not saved then because I don't speak in tongues. I didn't know that you, they didn't say anything. They just said, if I confess my sins and I believed in my heart that Jesus would forgive me, that he would be the Lord of my life and I would be saved. Now it's Jesus plus speaking in tongues? Yeah, and you have, a, you have a group of people that believe that and take it to you know, the furthest extent. And then you have people in the middle, kind of like where I'm at. Now you go, I believe the gifts of the Holy Spirit, all the gifts, I believe they're for today. Do we see all the gifts today? I don't see them all. And people go, well, why do you believe them? I go, because they're taught in the Bible. And there's nothing in the Bible that taught that the gifts of the Holy Spirit have ceased. The, there's only one verse that, that a cessationist can even lean to to begin to believe that maybe the gifts ceased, and that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where it says that, that the gifts will cease. You go, when, it says, when the perfect comes. Now, the cessationist believes that the perfect was the canonization of the Bible, that we got the Bible. Well, that's not what it teaches. If you read it in context, when the perfect comes is when Jesus comes, because when Jesus comes, are we going to need gifts? Nope. Nope, We're not going to need, because the greatest gift is going to be right in front of us, and he'll fix everything. He'll bring perfect peace. Revelation chapter 21 says that he will wipe away every tear from our eye. He will make all things new. So I don't need the gifts of the Spirit any longer, nor will you. Everything will be perfect. We will know as we're known, okay? That's what heaven will be all about. But right now, do we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Do we need the power? I mean, you think about this personally in your own life. Do you need the power of God in your life? I mean, could you use a little bit more Jesus in your life? I mean, honestly, I want you to think about it. It's not the answer out loud, but I want you to think about that in your life. Do you really have that comprehension that you need more of Jesus in your life? Or do you have enough that, you know, it's like the book, you know, What must? what's the least I can do to be saved? It's a great book, by the way, because it's not really, it just sucks you in with that. You know, the, what's the least that I can do to be saved? And then it just nails you with really the least you can do is surrender your whole heart and life to God. But he saves the last chapter to do that, so he's brought you along. Very well-written book, by the way. But, man, to live our lives and surrender Of God, where we don't lack anything. Do you believe, you know, that that God satisfies? I mean, you've heard that we sing about it, but do you truly? And again, I'm asking rhetorically. I mean, do you believe that God satisfies? You you answer that in your own heart. Do you believe that He truly satisfies? Is He really enough, or is it Jesus plus? You know, if I had this and this and this and this and this, you know, is He truly enough? And I want you to, you know, as we we think about that, you know, and think about His gifts. Realize this, you know, we, we can't earn them. You know, we don't deserve them. And yet there's this argument today, okay, well, you know, I don't understand, you know, the, the word, you know, with and the word in and the word upon. I'm not really into all those things. And I'm always reminded of something Pastor Greg Laurie said. He said, I would rather have the right experience by the wrong name than to have the wrong experience by the right name, Okay. So it's not really, you know, a debate in this other than the fact that, you know, the, the Greek language is, is a language that you can study and the, the words are pretty exact. Like, you know, always bring us back to the word love. You know, in the English language, you have one word. In the Greek, there's at least four to describe the things that, you know, that God is speaking of. And he could have chosen any language. He could have done it in English if he chosen, but he didn't. It's in a language that, again, uh, you can get down to exact, you know, words, to exact meanings. That's important when it comes to the Scripture. And so it's important to understand and know that you can have an experience with the Holy Spirit. You were having that even before you became born again. The Holy Spirit was working in your life. That was when you thought and felt the conviction of your own sin, of your own conscience. That was the Holy Spirit working in you. The day that you opened your heart to Jesus Christ, he came in to your life. You had that in experience. Jesus said, behold, in Revelation 3.20, he said, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. He said, if any man would open up the door of his heart and let me in, he said, my Father and I will come in and we'll sup with you. We'll have fellowship with you. The day you got saved, the Holy Spirit came into your life. But then he talks about something, there's a subsequent relationship with, with the Holy Spirit, a subsequent power that's available to us that I wonder, you know, especially as you look out and you, and you watch people and you watch, you know, the ineffectiveness, you know, in our personal journey, and you go, man, they're just walking in their own power. They're just walking in their own strength. I mean, like I said, you can go to church every single Sunday. You can read the Bible every single day. You know, there's people who don't believe the Bible that read the Bible every day. And they do it to do what? To try to disprove it. I mean, it's been great. You know, you think of, you know, probably the latest, you know, in, in our lives that we've got, we've got to see, you know, not uh, Josh McDowell's when, it was Lee Strobel. Remember, he, he was, you know, with the Sh- Chicago Tribune and he'd set out because his wife got saved and he, he was just trying to win his wife back. He wanted his wife, the old wife, the partier back. So he set out and he did this critically. The same way that he had had studied and proven everything else in his life as he went and talked to the authorities, every authority that he could to try to disprove Christianity. He came to the conclusion at the end was that God was real. And he surrendered his heart to the Lord. And you look at the good that God has done in and through him by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, the case for Christ, the case for Easter, the case for faith. I mean, the case for everything, Jesus in this life. you go, but here's someone who's, who's relying upon, and you think about that, relying upon the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You can go, well, God gave us, you know, I've had Christians tell me, well, God's given us common sense. You know, that common sense isn't as common as people, you know, claim that it really is. We need the Holy Spirit. Amen. All you have to do is listen to Washington, turn on the news, and listen to, you know, the, the greatest mind, supposedly, you know, in our country, You know, they've got master's degrees, doctorates in education and history and haven't learned anything from history. Because you go, but they lack something that's more important. No, I'm not downplaying education at all. What I'm upplaying is the fact that we need the power of God. We need the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need that experience with God. And I believe, you know, the Bible teaches all three. You know, receiving the Holy Spirit, turn with me real quick in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, because I want you to to think about these things tonight when you think about the Holy Spirit working in your life. Because maybe you're here tonight and you go, you know, my parents told me I got the Holy Spirit the day I got saved, and you know what, I'm going, okay, do you... Do you sense that power working in your life? I mean, is there evidence of of his power working in and through you in this life? I mean, you read the book of Acts, and like I said, it's 30 miracles in 30 years. You go, but there's miraculous things that are going on. And people go, well, why don't I see miracles in the United States? And I go, well, really, because of the lack of faith. I mean, pretty much everything that we have need of is within, you know, three square miles, you know, or or circular, or whatever you want to look, within where you live. There's a grocery store, right? There's a gas station, there's a bank, and there's 327 restaurants. Everything that you have need of, you know, is right there. Well, when you're in a third world country and you're out in the middle of nowhere, who do you rely on? Jesus. (laughs) You rely on the power of God. When you're praying over, you know, one element, you know, of food and you're going, God, you know, you multiplied fish and loaves once. You got to do it again or we're going to die. And somehow, some way, supernaturally, God multiplies it. Someone's dying of some disease and people die every day of disease, but someone lays hands on them and the next thing that person's healed and they go, how did it happen? You go, by the power of God. God still works miracles, but he does it where they're needed. Well, we need them in the United States, but we're blind to them. They could be happening. And matter of fact, I know that they happen. They happen right here in this church. People come forward almost every single week, and they're praying with somebody. I'll hear about it through an email, through a testimony. They go, Pastor Mike, you know, hey, I just want you to know, you know, we didn't even do an altar call. And they go, hey, I gave my life. They mark the card. I gave my life to the Lord this week. They hear the word of God. They recognize as they're hearing the teaching of God's word, there's something missing in their life, and they go, I need Jesus. That's not the the power of persuasion. It's not the the words of men. It's the power of the Holy Spirit working through the conviction of the Holy Spirit in someone's life, bringing to a place where they recognize their need for God, and they cry out to him. There's people, you know, that they come into church, they're prayed up. They're already ready before they ever get here. And they're looking, God, you know, let me be an encouragement to somebody today. God, give me a word that I can speak to somebody today from your word. Let me, let me exhort them. Lord, help me to see people you know, we say, that, Lord, help me to see people the way that you see them. Now, if we really did that, we'd be going, man, you're a sinner and you need to get saved. And they're a church, you know, it's a great place to get saved. You know, well, I go to church. The church doesn't save you. Jesus saves. We can hide just like the Jews did behind church, behind religion, you know. But to have a personal relationship with God, one that, I like I said, is deeply, deeply personal. Look at Paul here talking about receiving the Holy Spirit when you are saved. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 and 13, he says, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greek, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member but many. We were made to drink into one spirit. Slaves are free. You know, it's interesting when you think about, you know, what Paul's talking about. And then you think about, you know, what Luke, in Acts chapter 1, verse 5, and you can turn there. See, the Apostle Paul, he uses you know, this phrase in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and the way Luke uses this phrase, you know, we, obviously he reports that Jesus said it in Acts chapter 1, verse 5. He says, for truly John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You think about, you know, what, what is he talking about there? Paul obviously you know, is, is speaking about a person being born again in the Holy Spirit, that, that EN experience, where Luke is speaking about people who've already been born again and they're being baptized with the Holy Spirit. They're not talking about the same thing, they're talking about two different experiences. And people want to argue that and go, you go, well, just read the language, read it for yourself. What does that phrase baptism in or baptism with the Holy Spirit, what does it mean? Well, first you have to ask, what was Paul, you know, saying and what was Luke saying? Paul was saying we were being baptized into Christ, right? That they were being born again. Where Luke was talking about being baptized with the Holy Spirit for what? Power. Power to do what? Power to live a life that would magnify and glorify God. Now, you have to think about this for yourself today. You go, you go, okay, I'm saved. The Holy Spirit is in me. But am I experiencing the power of God? Have I been baptized with the Holy Spirit that now the power of God is being exemplified through my life and the things that I'm doing? Yeah, again, you know, as you, you think this through, being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Again, look at that, you know, in Acts chapter 1 you know look at verse 4 there and it says And being assembled together with them he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the father it says which he said you've heard from me this is again Jesus speaking he says for John truly baptized with water but you shall be baptized with the holy spirit not many days from now so again he wasn't was he was he telling the disciples hey uh, in a few days you're going to get saved no, that's not what he was saying at all. He was telling the disciples who were already, already were trusting him and loving him, he said, wait for the promise of the Father, which will not be in you, he's already in you, but will come upon you, okay? He'll come upon you. He was quoting, you know, again, from Luke chapter 3, verse 16, where John says this and says, John answered, saying to, you, saying to all, I indeed baptized you with water One mightier than I is coming whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. Man, you think about that. You know, he wasn't talking to the disciples, you know, telling them, that hey, you know what, you're going to be converted, you know, here in a couple days. What he was talking to were genuine believers who were about ready to be filled with the Holy Spirit and power so that they could live a life that would magnify and glorify God. Look at it, you know, because you think about this. At the end of Luke's gospel, it gives us a description of the apostles before they experience what takes place that Luke writes about in the book of Acts. In Luke chapter 24, verse 52 and 53, it says this. It says, and they worshiped him. This is the apostles, okay? It says, and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God, amen. Now, does that sound like people who were not saved or is that people who already were saved? I think it's self-explanatory, you know, in that. They were already saved. They were worshiping Jesus, and they had what? Great joy. What does Galatians chapter 5 tell us? The fruit of the Spirit is love, and what else? Joy. That's a fruit. That's a byproduct of a personal relationship with God, okay? And yet, in Acts chapter 5, think about, you know, what does he mean? I mean what does he mean in Luke chapter 3 when he says, you know, I, I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, He's talking about extraordinary power. Would you agree with that in your heart? You agree that he's talking about extraordinary power for Christ-exalting ministry? That it's not about promoting ourselves, it's not about doing your own thing, it's not even doing whatever you do. It's doing what God calls you to do. Living a life that's pleasing to him. A subsequent filling of the presence and the power of God in our life that we see that's distinct. This is what I want you to understand tonight. There is an experience that is distinct and separate from your salvation experience where you can be filled, refilled, however you want to look at it, with the power of God in your life. Acts chapter 13. Turn there real quick with me. Look at a couple more passages and then we'll wrap this up. In Acts chapter 13, we have believers together, okay? So, we know this. These are are believers who are gathered there in Acts chapter 13, and they're ministering to the Lord, okay? Well, we see that. It says they're ministering to the Lord and they're fasting, okay? That's something that believers do. This wasn't the world. This wasn't something that was going out in the marketplace. These were believers who were together. And when they came together and they were ministering to the Lord and they were fasting, the Holy Spirit moved in their midst. There was a prophetic word. There there was something that that went forth here. There was Paul. He's on the, the island of Cyprus there. And it says that Paul was, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he has this extraordinary power that comes upon him in that moment to deal with this magician here. It says, but Elimus it says the sorcerer, it says, for his name is translated, withstood them seeking to turn the uh, proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul, who is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, Oh, full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you and shall be, you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And it says immediately a dark mist fell on him and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw What had been done being astonished at the teaching of the Lord? And I think this is exactly what Jesus was talking about when he says, you know, I I want you to wait and experience the power of the Holy Spirit who will come upon you as you go out into the world. You know, Luke's talking about, you know, being baptized in the Spirit is being clothed with power from on high so that the message of Christ can become effective in the world and thus reaching people for Him. Otherwise, it's just what? Debate. That we go out and we, we rattle up a couple verses and people rattle off a couple reasons why they don't believe. But man, when the Holy Spirit moves, I mean, imagine having that kind of discussion with somebody. He's going, you know, you son of the devil, you know, All of a sudden, it's like, so that's, you know, that doesn't fall under the kindness category. You know? And all of a sudden, a dark mist falls over them, and, he's, and he tells them, hey, you're going to be blind. Next thing you know, they're walking around looking for somebody to take them by the hand. I mean, if you did that today, you, you know, that would be a hate crime, right? You'd be put in jail. And you go, probably would. And you go, so be it. What is that expression? I love, you know, that word that says, you know, I would rather be, stand with God and be hated by the world than to stand with the world and be hated by God. And I hope that's something that all of us can say. Again, you think of, you know, Luke twenty four forty nine. He says, behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. He says, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. You know, to live church... To Christ is to die to self. You know, so we close the service. We'll close with some worship here. I invite Bailey to come on back up here. And I want you to think about this, you know, tonight. You know, as we prepare our hearts to receive communion, I want you to think about your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Not question your salvation. Salvation is a gift that comes from God. For by grace you've been saved through faith and not of works, which any man can boast. It's the gift of God. What I'm talking about tonight is being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit in our life to live a life where we can do exemplary things for the kingdom of heaven, to advance God's cause in this world. Are you filled with that kind of power? And really, the more important question tonight is do you desire that? And you realize tonight that you can ask for that, and God wants us to ask for that, and he wants to give that to us. And I don't care how strong you might be in your faith. I mean, what we see consistently through the book of Acts is that the Holy Spirit came upon them in that moment for what they needed, and it didn't stay. The Holy Spirit didn't stay with them in that. He gave them what they needed in that moment. And then when they got into a situation again, they prayed again for the anointing, for the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit did what? The Holy Spirit fell again. Subsequent, again and again and again. Can you remember the last time you asked God to fill you with his power, that you could live a life for him that would magnify him? Because I'll tell you, it's hard in this world. There's so many distractions, so many temptations, so many things, you know, so many excuses. And yet, I read you this and then we'll, we'll worship and give you an opportunity, like I said, just to come and to receive communion. Luke chapter 11, verse 9 through 13. Jesus talking here, he says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. You know, God wants us to come to him in prayer. He wants us to be consistent. He wants us to be persistent, you know, in praying about the things that we pray for. He says, for everyone who asks, receives. So you can see God's not against us. God wants to answer our prayers. He says, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. He says, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? He says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to all who ask him? I'm asking them tonight. I go, God, I, I need more of you. I need more power. It is getting more and more difficult to minister to people in this world. People are becoming more and more difficult. Even people in the church are becoming more and more difficult. The honor, there, there's an obstinance to the things of God, to the to move of, of God's spirit. You know, we want things the way that we want them. I mean, everybody's a judge. Everybody's a jury. If you have a social media account, you know. Everybody has their their opinion about everything. You can't can't even turn on and watch a sports program without getting more commentary on this and this and this. It's just the joy of just watching something any longer. You go, no, if we're going to live victoriously for Jesus in this life, we need more of Him. And tonight, as we receive communion, and maybe you've never had the baptism with the Holy Spirit, I'd love to pray with you tonight. We're going to Turn the lights down and we're going to worship and if you're you're serious and you're going god i need more of you what i want you to do is you come and you receive communion just stay up here at the altar and just spend some time before the lord and just in your own heart cry out to god say god i'm asking i'm seeking i'm knocking <laughs> fill me with your spirit i want to live an exemplary life i want to live a life that will magnify your son And so I need more of you. What I had yesterday isn't enough for today. Thank you as I look in the Old Testament. Man, you gave fresh manna every single day. What I had from you before isn't getting me through today. I want more of you, less of me. I must decrease that you might increase. If you're serious, ask him. Never be ashamed of asking Jesus for more of him. And then as you're receiving communion, thank him thank him for dying for you. Thank him for not just dying for you, but rising again on the third day so that he could pray that when I return to the Father, I will ask him and he will send another like me, the Holy Spirit, who will be with you, who will comfort you, who will strengthen you, will empower you to live the life that he wants for you. I can't do it apart from him, but we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord. Let's receive communion.
1: i the